Hey, Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. This is Zebras in America podcast, episode 133, y'all. Um, we took a little hiatus for me to move, and also, apparently, our last episode was depressing as hell, so sorry about that, but we can't always be what you, what we, were. We're not monolithic, and sometimes we're happy, and sometimes we're sad, and sometimes we're all of those things. And um, I just said I'm a bunch, but I'm not going to re-record. Do it live! I'm going to do it live! So what I'm going to do is I want to say we're still recording in quarantine. If you're listening as we are recording, we are in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you're listening from the future, and we hope that there is a future welcome here we are we're we're alive we're thriving as well as we can and we're healthy i just got my covid test today and i do not have covid so that's nice Nice. yeah i was there were some worries because moving and doing some things involve some calculated risks so uh how are you doing marcus chilling what you've been up to uh, hanging out in Long Island, uh, writing a lot for uh, Pinland Empire, doing other people's podcasts, uh, keeping my eye out for potential jobs in the future, but, you know, that is what it is. Um, you know, spending time with my wife, uh, hanging out with my godson, uh, hanging out with my wife's family, just uh, living life, bracing myself for the lack of uh, the lesser unemployment money, but hopefully that, that'll get resolved at some point yeah if you're listening from the future um there was a decent by decent i mean like really not amazing but just enough unemployment package for people that were unemployed during the during the pandemic that is just sort of enough to stay afloat but not a lot and and politicians decided that that was too much while continuously funding uh, you know, police, federal police, uh, and the military. No offense to the military. I got no disrespect for the military, but I think the fa- I think people need jobs and money and not to be evicted way more than we need laser guns. That's just yeah. that's just my take. Um, and speaking of laser guns, I just by accident watched a preview for this new Joe Manganiello movie. Have you seen that? No, what's that? So he like it's a new like artsy superhero movie that I think it's either coming out at the end of the year or next year, where Joe Manganiello plays a superhero from another dimension who comes to this dimension and no one believes he's a superhero, and he's got to figure it out. Oh and wait, but but I'm sorry, you said it's based on like a thing, like an actual. What do you mean? Like, is it based on a? An actual comic book, or is it like a, just written for like a movie? I believe that it's just written for a movie. I've never, if it is, I've never, I've never heard about it. But it looks good. I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I I don't know when it's coming out, but it's okay. called it's called Max Fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be good. Um, so that's that. And the reason why I saw that preview was. This week, we got, last week actually, 
we got an email from Neon Films, which is a wonderful film distrib- film distribution company, mm-hmm. asking us if we would like to watch Amy Simon's fourth film, yep. She Dies Tomorrow. Yep. Amy Simon's being an actor and director who's well known for being on The Killing, Family Tree, executive produced The Girlfriend Experience based on the Steven Soderbergh movie. Wrote, say, uh, wrote and directed. Well, yeah, I was getting 50, there. Oh, sorry, sorry. And, um, w- you know, was in was in Wrist Cutters. You ever seen that movie? Yes, I did, I did. Whatever I happened, like, like uh, I thought that was going to be, like, I thought that movie was going to, I thought that director was going to do things. That movie was... Yeah, I did too. I like that movie. If you've never seen that movie, it's sort of a strange black comedy fantasy where people who kill themselves go to a specific afterlife and it's also a love story and there's y'all remember that band Gogol Bordello of course I met I met uh, David Hasselhoff during a Gogol Bordello set at Coachella 2008 so he brought me and Hasselhoff together or they either I think you got to say that again because that's just like that's pretty hilarious Oh, yeah. No, in 2008, uh, Gogol Berdolo was performing on the main stage. This was like during the afternoon. It was still light out. They were performing on the main stage at Coachella in 2008. Probably one mm. of the last great Coachella shows. And there's this guy just flailing. His, like, just love, just having the best time ever. And I didn't know. It was, I didn't even know it was David Hasselhoff. I thought it was just like some older guy really loving. He looked out of place. He didn't look like a Gogol Berdolo fan. But I was like, oh. This guy really is enjoying himself. I love that. And then I was like, oh, is this David Hasselhoff? So I kind of casually go up to him. I don't want to ruin him. I'm just like, hey, man, are you David Hasselhoff? And immediately he, like, shakes my hand before I get, he's like, yeah, man. And I'm like, oh, uh, hey, do you mind if I get a picture with you? Of course. Come on, man. Sure. And, like, he grabs me into him, and we take this awesome picture together. And then I feel bad because no one noticed it was Hasselhoff until I took a picture. You know, and there's someone famous, you take a picture with someone, and then other people no, are like, no, who is I, that? I, who is that? No, I leave famous people alone. I, I, or, I don't sometimes. Or I just, I, I speak to them, but I don't take pictures. Yeah. Inle- unless, I, unless it's really, like when I met DJ Premier, I was like, no, I got to take a picture with you, man. But yeah. for the most part, I don't. Uh, I'm... I've said on the show before, I am very embarrassed of the one time I spoke with Q-Tip, but I'm not going to say what I said, Sure. but but it was childish, and I regret it, and... We all have those we, I mean, I've, I've had a couple... Like, with Hasselhoff, it was cool, whatever, he got swarmed by celebrities. I've had mostly cool, like, I, yeah. I always, like, many feet away, before social distancing was a thing. I'm always like, hey, I don't want to bother you. I always start with that. And yeah. then there's certain people, certain people give off of, like, I remember James Gandolfini, rest in peace, used to go to uh, my video store uh, back, back, back in the day. And even though he seemed like a cool, normal, like, guy, he also had this vibe where it's like, ah, don't, 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 don't bother him. Like, some people I've read a bunch, give off that. I've read a bunch. He did, if you look, he's done, like, he did, like, four interviews. He was a very, right, right, pri- right. He was a sure. very private dude. He was sure. like a he was like super hippie. He wore bandanas and like listened to Jerry Garcia and didn't have a thick New Jersey accent. He just was an actor who liked acting and was apparently a really sweet guy and liked to be left alone. And sure. his his performance in She's So Lovely, which is my favorite Pete Cassavetes movie, 
Zach Cassavetes. Zach? You mean John Cassavetes? No, John Cassavetes. Oh, you mean his son. Oh, Nick. Sorry, sorry. Nick Nick Cassavetes made a movie in the 90s called She's So Lovely, which I'm sure you've seen. Yep. Of course. That was maybe my personal favorite Nick Cassavetes movie. Yeah. I I just said that. Are you you here, my friend? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, so... Nick Nick Cassavetes using a script of his dad's made she's so lovely. It's it's a it's a gem of a '90s movie. It's a slept on movie. It's got Sean Penn. It's got Robin Wright. It's got John Travolta, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It's got James Gandolfini, and it's just a good movie. But yeah. this is all to say that Risk Cutters was a movie with. With the with the lovely Shannon Sosamon, who I think has a kid named like she's like super into uh, into like rave culture and stuff. Yeah, I mean and she was a, a she says she was. I mean she DJed before. Like uh, all I want to say is that if I remember correctly, her son's name is Audio Science. <laughs> so it's funny, but I believe that I I believe it. So she, so she was Grimes and Elon Musk way before Grimes and Elon Musk, yeah. and it's too bad because Grimes makes good music. Grimes, Grimes makes like, like Bjork music for for Zillennials or something, and I like mm-hmm. her music actually, mm-hmm. but I, I also like who am I to judge about people's relationships and stuff, and sure. just just about one about what I said to Q-Tip, people grow, so it is what it is, and. The movie Risk Cutters, which Amy Simons was in, and and a fake bootleg Gogol Bordello dude was in there because the because sure. the Gogol Bordello dude couldn't be in it for some reason, though sure. he was he was he was excellent in Everything Is Illuminated, the the Jonathan Safran Foer book that was turned into a movie, directed by Liev Schreiber, Schreiber. yeah, uh, which was an which was. A, a fine movie, but the book the book has more detail and more stuff that I liked about it. So okay. that's okay. that's a roundabout stuff. And I was just surprised. I thought I thought Risk Cutters was going to be gigantic, and the director Goran Ducic. I don't know what he did after that. So if he did stuff, I haven't yeah. heard about it. But that it's, doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he hasn't done stuff. Yeah. But you know. It's funny you mentioned that I the the reason I even saw Risk Quarter wait what? No, I was saying, but Amy Simons, like you know, she produced Medicine for Melancholy. She um, has directed. This is her fourth movie. She was in Tiny Furniture. She's she's like she's got an indie film, you know. She's there. She's got a pedigree of indie films. And she's she's on her way up, but you were gonna say something. I'm no, sorry. I was trying to make a quick segue into uh, the guy you always shout out is the one that suggested I see Risk Cutters uh, a long, long time ago. I was just gonna say he's the he's the reason I even saw it because he said it has like a Jim Jarmusch quality to it because he knows how much I like Jim Jarmusch. And then I was like, oh okay, I'll check it out. I I, I see what he means, uh, or at least I saw what he meant. It I again I thirteen years ago. Yeah, it's a long. It, it came out 14? a while ago. Yeah, it it was it was during like the precocious period of the indie film, when when the indie film became a genre, not a method of making movies for a while. Now I think yeah. we're back to indie indie meaning 
both yeah. a style of film but also a means of making a film. Yeah. But that was like I, I just was thinking about the movie like Thumb Sucker and Chud Chum Sucker and the other day. You remember Thumb right. Sucker? Yeah, I do. That was, it was like a whole period of like That's what I'm saying. Sundance like, movies, yeah. It's like what this movie is that like they all kind of I'm not even trying to insult them. They just they all seem to kind of be like one big same movie. No offense. I, I I'm really not trying to like take I th- take a jab. I think of it like Little Miss Sunshine turned independent cinema into a genre, not a method of making movies. Mm-hmm. And then there were all these other movies like that and Thumbsucker and Junebug and movies like that. That weren't bad movies by any means, but there was a sort of precious quality to it and not the movie Precious, which is not my favorite movie, mm-hmm. but Marcus's favorite movie. Huh. Um, so there was that. So Amy Simons has been in and around this world for a long time, and she's she's directed a bunch of movies, but for you know for some reason... This new one, which which dropped on Neon in the new the new normal, which is they're they're building a lot of um, they're building a lot of drive-throughs, mm-hmm. and people they they're quickly putting together drive-throughs right now. So it came out on video and demand and drive-through the same day, which right. is which is a new method that is apparently very popular. But don't go to the concession stands. Bring your own concessions. Absolutely. So, socially distanced. This uh, Erica Badu has been doing uh, drive-in concerts. Mark Rubelay has been doing drive-in concerts. They've been doing drive-in concerts together. That shit is bananas. Yeah. And so you could go do that. Friend of the show, Carlo. Also, the person you're talking about, is that Doug? Yes, it is. Why don't you say hi to Doug this time? Oh. Hi, Doug. Yeah. That didn't you, feel right. Sorry. I yeah. didn't like that. Why? No, you you just do it better. Why don't you try asking me if I smoke PCP? Nope. I don't like it. I don't like okay. change. <laughs> hey, Scott, you ever smoke PCP? Yeah, so... Um, See, oh. it didn't feel right. That's why you went on to the next uh, thing. It didn't feel right. Go ahead. Have you, have you seen... I'm, I'm sorry. We're going to get to... She dies tomorrow, which is in the top, people know how we do. Which is in the top five of of movies for me this year. Oh, but I I recently watched the new HB show, HBO show Betty. What what what's that? It's about these these uh, ladies who are in a in a skateboard squad in the Lower East Side in Williamsburg. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. It's really good, and it's an offshoot of, of the movie Skate Kitchen. I don't know if you saw that in 2018. Oh no, but I know all about it. But no, I, I, I did not see it. It's really good. It's directed by Crystal Moselle, who you may know from her debut film, The Wolf Pack, mm-hmm. about the about like these sort of hermit kids who who lived in an apartment in Manhattan and weren't allowed to really leave the house and were obsessed with movies. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, that, so... That, that movie's really, really good. So she's got a really good eye and she saw these ladies skating and was like, I need to make a movie with you guys and girls, with you, with y'all. Y'all is, y'all is a very good, um, 
genderless way to talk to many people. Y'all. She was like, y'all. And because I believe some of some of the some of the skaters are non-binary, I think. But if I'm Mm -hmm. not, I apologize. Mm -hmm. And they 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 called their they call their team, their squad Skate Kitchen because of their YouTube videos. People would be like, y'all belong in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, because they're so so they owned it. They took it over. And right. what I like about it is they're they're not trying to pretend like they're good skaters, even though some of them are very good. They just mm-hmm. love skating, which sure. is which is the fact of most hobbies. I you know most Absolutely. people yes. most people that Couldn't enjoy most people that enjoy basketball aren't very good at basketball. So yeah. Yeah. I like that, and the movie's really good, and just like. Did the you TV see show. that um, wholesome viral video that, that uh, the video that went viral recently is this young like Ukrainian girl who does her first kickflip like in a park and she does it and then she gets all emo- like she gets super happy and she starts crying a little bit. She's like, oh, my God, I did it. It's like it's it's kind of the, the viral thing that like we need right now. I yeah, I mean, I, I like that sort of content. Yeah, especially in the world that we live in, though. Though our, though Amy Simons did not make a feel-good movie, accidentally made a movie that had the finger on the pulse of the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you remember when Jason Blum of Blumhouse said, oh, there's not a lot, there's, you know, women don't direct horror movies. Yeah, yes. That was... You know, sometimes... Well, well, let's just be fair. He said he couldn't think of many women who... He didn't say... what He he did say, I just can't come up with too many women who direct uh, horror movies. Which, whatever, in itself is still, like, you run a movie studio. It's like, do just a little bit of research. Like, people who do film stuff for a hobby should know information like that. Not not just... You you don't have to know movies, but you should be... your, your finger I, should be on the pulse of, of, of things. That's what I'm saying. So. If you if you're running one of the premier horror studios, right, you should know that there's a lot of talent that is not just white dudes, and you should like it's 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 an irresponsible comment to say. I'm sure. just I just he said there weren't a lot of female directors. Period, which is not true. There's not a lot of oh. employed. Yeah. Female yeah. directors. There's a shit ton of female directors. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even less who are inclined to do horror. Yeah. And I have a list of some movies after we talk about this movie, uh, She Dies Tomorrow, that of some of the great horror movies of the past 20 years that that were directed by women. So you're wrong. Jason I, Blum, if you want to come on the show and debate us, happy to have you. Please. I do want to say, but, I, I, but I'd much ahead. rather have Amy Simons on the show. So we'd love to have you. Yeah. Another thing, though, also, it's just like, in addition to saying that comment about women directors, it's kind of like, let's just be honest for a second. Bloomhouse definitely tries to rely on the whole like, we're diverse, we're progressive, women, people of color, LGBTQ, like all this stuff. Like that is their thing. Like a lot of their movies play into that. So that they can get people to watch it, but then when faced with like a real question like that, it's kind of like oh, I don't know many female. It's like it's not just anyone saying it. It's it's like you represent this movie studio that tries to like dip their toe in and out of like progressive 
I'm not uh, woke, you know, stuff like like the, the people who are kind of left out of the film industry. You, you know what I'm saying? So that's why it's also, I think, a little more frustrating. Like if it was anyone else yeah. who said it, it's kind of like, OK, like if James Cameron or right. T- whoever said it, it's kind of like, OK, I guess why they would say it. But if you're if you and, had Bloomhouse, it, it, yeah. it's a little question, more. Questionable. So in, in so instead they they made, they you know, they made bangers like Ma because oh. that was that was a woke one. Oh. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah, you kept you cut out for like a good minute. Okay. Oh, well, all right, we're good now. We're good now. We're good. So what I was saying is that Bloomhouse, you know, for for they they made Get Out and then immediately made Ma. Yeah. Yeah. Which which was which was not problematic at all and then i keep i feel like a crazy person because the movie immediately got shelved after it ran trailers but when i went to go see the invisible man bloomhouse was coming out with this other movie about this black single mother who like goes on tinder and she gets with this white guy and then this white guy wants to hunt her and then now and now it's the fact that it made it that far is kind of something but now it's like like you can't find the trip that they they took the trailer off everywhere. There used to be a bootleg version of it, but I'm, I forgot the name of it. But I'm telling you, the movie exists, and they're making me into a crazy person because it's like, what are you talking about? We never made that movie, but they definitely did. If anyone who went and saw the Invisible Man saw the trailer, you know, occasionally you're just like, oh, who told you not to? Who told you like? That that was like how how did you get that no, far? I know, I know, I know. To to making editing final everything. Yeah, no, I know. Like that's know. that's so many steps that yeah. they got. But so Amy Amy Simons yeah is back with is. with a movie called She Dies Tomorrow about a character who decides through some sort of maybe supernatural neon colored yeah. violet event sure. a a color palette that is very popular in the neon film industry sure just thinks that she's going to die and there's a sort of pandemic maybe that makes people think that they're dying yeah and it's unclear what exactly is going on it is it is left ambiguous, and even though she's the she's the current throughout the movie, it's almost like there's these vignettes of of this sort of sort of vibe, and there's sorrow and pain, and you know, she's like walking around, and the, she's. The main character has that sort of, you know, hipster on we going on where she's searching urns for maybe herself, maybe someone who's passed away, and right. leather jackets at the same time, which is a very 2020 sort of vibe, like mm. doom scrolling and also, you know, picking out yeah. random stuff and, and smoking. And it, it reminds me of of um in in the book the stranger by camus you know there 
there's this character, the main character is judged because he's smoking cigarettes when his mother dies. And apparently in French culture at the time, that's considered this sort of passe, rude thing to do. You know, this sort of thin line between nihilism and existentialism. Yeah. And you, you, have, you, you you broke up you, for like a, a good second again. I, ju- I just I, I just want to make sure I didn't miss. You, you, did, did you touch on the comedic element of it as well? There there I haven't gotten to the comedic okay, element. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. I'm just talking about like existentialism meets nihilism mixed with like, you know, I don't love the word zillennial, even though I've definitely said it on this podcast today and in before because sure. I th- I think I think that. I think that generation of people are really doing amazing things and also mm-hmm. doing annoying things, but also really not resting on their laurels and trying to make the world a better place. They're they're protesting, they're TikToking, they're they're messing with politicians, they're they're doing good things, they're righteous and they're also young and I'm I'm not hating on that at all. And yeah, there's this sort of comedy and violence and, again, this sort of purple hue that you've seen in a Mandy or any movie by Nicholas Winding Refn or... or Absolutely, uh, sure. Or what, was that, or what was that movie we saw this year? My, my head is blanking with Nicholas Cage. Mandy. No, oh, this other, year, Colorado Space. Sorry, sorry, Colorado Space. Colorado Space, which is, sorry. Which is another, uh, another purple movie. And Michelle Rodriguez shows up in this movie out of nowhere, and can Tucker Audley and uh, uh, Tunde from TV on the radio. Yeah. Chris Messina, who I have to say, I was I was telling my wife when I was watching, um, she dies tomorrow. I was like, who is Chris Messina's agent? And I mean this in the most positive way because this man is in everything. Like Birds he shows of Prey, up, Birds of Prey. He shows up and she dies tomorrow. He was on uh, what what's it? Uh, not Pretty Little Lies, the other HBO show with Amy Adams. That was, Six Feet that Under. The, he was excellent yeah. in Six Feet oh. Under. No, Oh, that's not what no. I was talking about. I'm talking about the more no, recent he, one, but I didn't know he was in that. But. He was in a movie with Amy Adams called Julie and Julia, which was about Julia Childs and this woman who had a blog where she cooks every dish of Julia oh, I Childs. I remember that movie. I, I, I never saw it, but I do. I definitely remember the trailers because that was during the period I was frequenting... Um, like Angelica and the Sunshine, it was like that kind of movie. The movie was the movie was very cute, and is based off of a book, and it, I believe it was the first movie based off of a blog. And what's weird though is that the writer wrote a second book, which was apparently about like being a butcher and having an open marriage. Yeah. And it and it looked it looked interesting. But I, I never read it, so I'm not really trying to judge it. Yeah. But uh, Tunde is a slept-on actor. He shows up in movies, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And he and he does a good job. Oh, he, he was in that. Mo- he plays his part. He was Very in that well. movie where he was married to Anne Hathaway. Yeah, Rachel getting married. Rachel getting married. Yeah. Which I think we talked about on the last episode. I think. No, whichever episode we were talking about Mumblecore. Cause, sure. Because yeah. Amy Simons... It's come up before. Amy Simons is definitely Mumblecore adjacent. We we talked about some yeah. movies that... Post-Mumblecore, she, yeah. 
post adjacent whatever we talked about some movies that she was in that were that we're not talking about today um because we're here to celebrate amy and the work that she's done oh absolutely and she did uh i think in both our opinions she did a really good job she really did and also i'm I met Tunde once at a at a sandwich shop. Oh, nice! I was in Williamsburg, and he was ordering a vegetarian sandwich, and all the vegetarian sandwiches had sort of sexist names. And he was purposefully just ordering the sandwich. Mm-hmm. He was like ordering what was in the sandwich, wouldn't call it what it was called. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like. It was, and then the person was like, "Oh, a blah blah blah," and he was like, "Yeah, I don't want to call it that though." Oh wow! Because <laughs> because it was it was it wasn't nice, and he was he was really good. And yeah, everyone thinks the main character in She Dies Tomorrow is losing her mind. She's crazy. I mean, if you go to a party and someone says, "Oh, I'm gonna die tomorrow," people are gonna be like, "Well, you're you're a bowl of fun." Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? And, but but then everyone starts thinking that they're going to die. And it sort of permeates this town yes. with, with some, again, abstract, lyrical, floating situations. Yeah. Would you I, like... Um, oh, yeah. But and also talk and also just one. One more funny thing because we're talking about life of the party. Uh, mm. I, I I sent I sent this text message today. Um, that says you know, I've definitely been called a buzzkill at parties for explaining that Harry Potter is about gaslighting children with PTSD to become child soldiers against a wizard Hitler that really needed a therapist. From being a product of love potion, which is obviously a magic roofie. Jesus, it's a handful. But tell me, Mouthful where's the lie? There is none. So, you know, and and I'm just talking about the, I'm just talking about the world of Harry Potter, not necessarily um, J.K. Rowling, who's recently. Uh, turned out to be a not very nice turf, and right. that's that's the nicest I could say it. Yeah. And I don't think that's particularly nice, and I don't feel the need to be nice. Um, but check out this podcast called The Gaily Prophet, which which unpacks Harry Potter themes from an LGBTQ plus perspective, and it's very good. And they handle how to be a Harry Potter fan, yeah. and and have trouble with the dangerous views of J.K. Rowling at the same time. So check that out. You're oh you're using you're using the good mic today, right? Yeah, this isn't no like you keep freezing up for like long seconds of time. So I'd just be quiet just in case not not to throw anything off. But yeah, definitely using the good mic. And yeah, I, know, I, I think it's me because my uh, my audition, not audition, my audacity is still record. Like there's no hiccups in that. Right. I mean that's so why we, that's why that's why we always record when yeah. we can, 
So if you guys want some inside, if y'all want some inside baseball, we record uh, using recording programs on on both ends of the computer, on both both our computer, and then we mix it. So just in case Zoom doesn't work or there's glitches, we can do that. Because if you listen to some of the earlier episodes as the pandemic started, you might have noticed that there were some glitches and we're trying to avoid the glitches, you know, and then we're like, hi, Collide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so what did you think about She Dies Tomorrow? So I'm, uh, my ultimate kind of summation of the movie, and I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't want it to be perceived oh. ne- negatively. Oh. oh, and the soundtrack is excellent. The score is excellent. Yeah, it is. And, and it's on all platforms. And this would be the time to switch over to Tidal because it's a black-owned company and it pays its artists much better than Spotify or Apple Music. Just and putting more it out in touch, And they're more in touch with the music scene and... and I'm not even going to get into that stuff. But yeah, please, support title. Um, I think uh, this movie, whether what happens in the movie happens once the credits roll or whether things happen a- after the fact or not, to me, that's besides the point. I think the bigger thing about this movie is like the not non-intentional contagiousness that can sometimes be like anxiety or depression. And not mm-hmm. in a blameful way. Not Not like... Like, if you're around, like, whether you're in a relationship, you have a friend you see all the time, you have coworkers. If you're in an environment that can be depressive, it sometimes rubs off on you. Not in a way like, hey, you made me depressed. It's just, it's just kind of how humans are. Like, a lot of times we just feed off of the energy that is around us for long periods of time. Or not even just necessarily depression, but it's just like, I think, Scott, both you and I can relate to just like, when someone is worried... And they express that worry to us immediately. We're like, oh, well, shit, now I'm worried. And right. then I might tell someone else and then they'll be like, oh, well, now I'm worried about that. And then and so on and so on and so on. And I don't, and again, I don't mean that like in a blaming way. It's not like, oh, now you got me all anxious. But it's like, yeah, it's just well, a that- natural thing that happens. And, I'm, and I can be extra sensitive, especially someone who has like certain health issues. Right. You know, I have people around me and I understand it's from from the umbrella of caring about me. But sometimes, you know, it'll be like. Oh, my numbers for such and such were there, and then like they immediately freeze, and it's just like, oh, but but could it have been better? What does that mean? And then I'm just like, it, it, it's fine. But in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I guess it could be better. And then I like, and then for like the rest of the day, I'm like, oh, what can I do to make it better? It, it's like I think the movies essentially play off of that kind of thinking right. and that kind of connection between people, and also the fact that most people aren't mental health, uh, aren't you know focused or fluent in mental health language because if if i'm worried i'll sometimes ask people like hey marcus uh do you have the bandwidth for me to talk about something that's bugging me right now like can i talk to you about something that i'm bugging out and can you make sure that you're able to not bug out because i need you to just hear me and and hold my experience you know yeah yeah and most people are unaware of what we call the holding environment or or emotional holding where you're able to make space and be there for people in their in their feelings and their anxiety and their psychic pain yeah these characters are are 
are not as much into that. And also there's family in there and family often have lower fuses when it comes to the issues of their loved ones. As you know, you're, sure. you're, you're way more sympathetic to, to someone that you don't know going through some shit than your, you know, your cousin who you, who's always going through something, right? Who's like, oh, they're always having trouble. They're always depressed. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. So, so these characters that are going through this, their family sort of like, well, why you always got to ruin stuff with your feelings? You know what I mean? So the listeners don't know this, but we're telling them now because this is inside football, baby. But in the middle of recording the episode, there was a storm which destroyed the internet, which made us have to take a break. So we are continuing a few days later. We listened to the audio and we liked it enough that we are going to continue with it. But... But in full transparency, that's what's going on. And the the thing that we were talking about before we lost... I literally lost connection because there was a hurricane. And there was like... Yeah. I, it was not fun. And, yeah. you know, it's also not fun. Anxiety disorders or thinking you're going to die. Or, self-fulfil- no, no. or self-fulfilling prophecies or feedback loops like a thing that we were talking about before was that sometimes you'll be fine and then someone will be like you're not fine is something wrong with you and then that will sort of create this loop of you not feeling fine and then that person not feeling fine and then it creates this whole reverberation of everybody being unhappy and and now you ruined thanksgiving scotty which has definitely been something said to me, which is... Oh, man. Yeah, which is, like, double fucked up, because, like, ultra-transparency, my father passed away on Thanksgiving, so telling me I ruined Thanksgiving is, like, extra messed up, but let me tell you, uh, there are certain family members that are not prepared to have difficult conversations about race or politics or intersections of race and politics or certain geographical locations uh, that are complex and will kick you out of Thanksgiving. Um, But I I don't want to say too much because also this is a different uncle, but I just found out that my cousin, whom whom I love very much, listens to the podcast. He was like, oh, I heard you moved to Baltimore from listening to the podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> that which also like endears me because I realize that you might not even know the people that care about you that are day ones that support that don't tell you. So I'm always True. I'm always surprised and happy to find out that someone is supporting me from afar without have without putting on blast because this is way off course, but I don't care. This is what people like about our show. Hi, Doug. This is true. In the rules of, of Sadaka, which is uh, a Jewish form of um, charity, there's different levels of charity. And the, the highest level, the most pious version of charity is to get someone a job, to teach them how to fish 
per se. That's the best form of charity you can do because not only does it give someone a way to make money, it's sustainable, it, it's the best. The second best is to give anonymously, to not forecast what you've done for other people. So when, when I find out that people have been doing things for me secretly, it really makes me happy. And it's also a way that I like to be, but that's like a double-edged sword because by me telling you that I like to act that way, it's sort of like being like, I'm a great person, and, and trust me, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a garbage fire. But I do try to prefer to do things for people quietly and privately. Sure. Which also brings me back to the the film She Dies Tomorrow, which is not about charity, but it is about these this sort of it's sort of inward. There's a lot going on inside as opposed to the outside. And you're having to sort of read these cues in it. And what did you think of the movie? I've been talking for a while. Um, I, I liked it a lot. It's actually cool that uh, in a way that we had time to break and come back because when we first recorded the first half of this episode, I was kind of fresh off of seeing it. And it was kind of like, I don't know. It's like I never disliked it at any point. But it was like, I don't know how much I like I don't know what. So now that I've had time to like, you know, a little bit of time to think about it, I can say I, I, I do really like it. It's not, I don't know if it's like favorite of the year, but it's like just for what we've already been talking about before. I think it really just approached the whole idea of like contagious worry, contagious anxiety, contagious depression in an interesting way. So I, 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 I definitely dug it. I think I think it's I think it might be top five. I also like, huh? but like it would be number five. I don't know. I'm sure. still I'm still figuring it out. I haven't seen as many movies as I would like to this year. I wonder yeah. why. That's <laughs> right. that's a joke. I don't wonder why. But a bun a bunch of people whose tastes I like have suggested a bunch of movies, and you know we'll 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 see. But one, I just want to say full transparency, we were given a screener of this officially from Neon. Yeah. So that is, we, but we would also, if we didn't like it, we would have said so as well, you know, or, sure. or, or, sure. or probably would have just not, uh, not reviewed it. I, I would rather, I'd rather not bash a movie that isn't trying to hurt anybody if it's unnecessary if that makes or, sense or you know oh it makes all, all sense well. or you know it could be i mean this can be uncomfortable we haven't we haven't been in this situation yet but even if, let's just say we were privy to seeing a movie ahead of time and maybe we didn't like it but if we have a lot to say about it that still makes for good conversation good film talk good podcasting as well i mean i think not everything ha i mean this movie for example I don't know if this is even the kind of movie where it's like, oh, I enjoyed it. It's just one. Of, it's it's like there's a lot. Of, there's a lot to it. There's a lot. There's a lot of depth. So it's one of the things where you can be like, I don't know if I liked it or not, but I have a lot to say about it, which is something I'd like to see more in terms of podcasting criticism. Right, and what you know, and one thing that you're not saying that is true is that about 
four months ago we started getting blind offers to watch movies. Yeah. And we have been sent movies that we didn't like. So we didn't, and instead of, but they weren't offensive or necessary to review or talk anything about because they weren't, you know, they're not doing any bad. So I didn't feel the need to talk badly about it or, or whatever. Right, right. And, and, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's funny you say that just because, you know, a lot of times, too, it's, you know, it could be like a movie that's very small or independent, and it's just one of those things, like, where any negative words could kind of work against what, what little it has going for it. So sometimes, exactly. in a way, it's, I just won't say anything, and, and that way it won't trip you up or, or, or you know, be de- detrimental to... Right. Uh, a perfect example that I think is something that I think you'll appreciate because you actually you you like this artist more than I do is mm-hmm. is like back in the day when Pitchfork would purposefully give Mayhem Lauren bad reviews yeah and you know me I don't Mayhem Lauren is a rapper for whom I'm not a big fan of sure I wouldn't say he's bad I just would wouldn't go out of my way to listen to his music. Yeah. But his mu- like his music isn't affecting anybody's day. However, Pitchfork giving the move giving the album like a six point seven or something does affect sales when it's completely unnecessary. Absolutely. You could just not review that album. Yeah. Or just like pad the number a little bit though I've read that that the numbers are sometimes generated by not by the people who write so like one of my no they're not and and I I, I learned that the hard way a little while ago when I was just like the review was kind of glowing right but then it was like you know like a seven something like a lukewarm I was like I don't understand your your words you're very pro this album but the I'm using air quotes the rating would suggest that you just thought it was like, okay. And then the guy explained to me. It was actually, we had a nice conversation. I didn't come at him like, what the hell's wrong with you? It was mm-hmm. just like, this is weird. And then like, immediately he responded and we had like a cool, you know, it was a cool back and forth. It was about a, a, a Quelle Chris album from like a few years ago. Well, yeah. In my opinion, all Quelle Chris albums should get at least a nine. Mm. Because he's... I'm not mad at that. Because he's one of the... He is... Probably the mo him and the rapper formerly known as Milo are the two most creative while still being really good rappers making mm. music. Sure. Now is oh Ka 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 as well, but like Makami is one of the best rappers, but he's not like also like this super creative weirdo who's like doing this other stuff. I'm just saying, like Milo, who I believe is going by Rap Ferreira now, and right. and and uh, Quelle Chris, I just I like everything they do. So even so, I just give it a nine for existing, and that's that. Nice. Um, but yeah, my probably my favorite modern rap writer, Andrew Nosnitsky, revealed one time that when he would write reviews for magazines that he never gave the numbers that the that the numbers were decided afterwards 
and mm-hmm. and there's so much there's so much mythology about albums back in the days of Source, the the most important rap magazine of its time at one time, sure. where where records were supposed to get certain mics. Records were based off of mics, and five mics was considered a classic. And yeah, most records by well-known rappers got four mics, and uh, very seldom few would get the rare but also kind of meaningless four point five mics. But yeah. there's a there's so albums that were supposed to get five or supposed to get four point five. Like people quit their jobs over it. I know that. Hmm. I'm I'm not I'm I'm going to paraphrase cuz I don't think I'm completely right but if I remember correctly um and maybe you can check this while I'm talking about it L- mm-hmm. Little Brothers album The Minstrel Show w- mm-hmm. was supposed to get 4.5 mics and instead got 4 mics or it's possible that it was supposed to get five mics and instead it got 4.5 mics. I don't remember off the right. top of my head. Um, are you are you looking pulling, it up? Pulling it up right now, yeah, because I'm going to where they... Oh, reception. Ah, there we go. We got four and a half mics. Okay, so apparently that album, getting the, the award that it got, was, was a big thing and a lot of people had to fight for it yeah i'm looking at other pretty reputable whether it be like hip-hop dx or vibe or something or that's yeah they uh all the it was either like 10 out of 10 or another or multiple four and a half out of five depending on uh, and it it's a good album but i think uh controversy controversy i think the best Little Brother album is Fonte's Charity Starts at Home. So, that's that, and... I don't know if I can... It's just too... That Minstrel Show is a little too nostalgic for me. The first two albums, for me to even pretend I can't be biased, so... I hear you. I also just... I just remember, back in the day, do you remember the the hip-hop online store sandbox automatic hell yeah hell yeah now uh someone who who was very important in my early days dj center who i who Mm -hmm. uh was a a fellow friend of them tume and i told me that the the secret to sandbox was if you live in the city is that you would order the records and then just request that you pick it up because it would save on shipping because shipping was like seven bucks and the reason Mm. why sandbox automatic was such a good website for ordering online even though there were so many good great record stores in the city which i frequented i promise you guys i when brick and mortar was the thing i bought i diversified where i bought records however sandbox always threw in extra stuff whether it be like a t-shirt or a hat or a keychain or an extra cdr uh Mm-hmm. So sometimes it would be really special. When Mad Villainy came out, they had this special edition 45 of one beer on there. And that was enough for me oh. to do that. So he taught me the secret where you could 
come and pick up your order. One time I tried to just come in and make an order and they were like, bitch, you ain't Bobito, which was, which was fair. Because I wasn't. I wasn't Bobito and I'll never be Bobito. I'm just who I am. Anyways, that was, that was fun. And, and I, I don't, so you'd pick, I'd pick up a lot of great records there through that and that I don't remember why that came. Oh, because that was one of the few places where you could get God's Stepson, which was Ninth Wonder's reimagining of God's Son. It was oh, one of, it was right, one right, of his right, claim right. Ninth Wonder, the producer from Little Brother, one of his two claim to fames at first was that he used Fruity Loops, which is a program I still use, but a program mostly used for electronic sounding rap music. Not not so much sample heavy stuff. So he was doing sample heavy stuff on Fruity Loops. And he somehow got all the acapellas for Godson by, by Nas and made a remix album. And this was before stuff like that was happening a lot. Yeah. This is before the Grey album, before all of that. And in fact, Ninth Wonder was working on a a black album remix as he was like of the whole album as he was working on the black album and then Jay-Z was like you can't do that so yeah. that that if you can find God's Stepson I think it's quite good and it is which I mean oh my god we're really veering off topic today have you seen The Assistant? no I haven't it's one of the things I know all about it but I haven't had a chance to watch it I'm really excited for that one and um, you know what I saw last week after after, after the after we uh, lost contact before before I go into some stuff surrounding she dies tomorrow. You know you know what I saw. Mm-hmm. I do not. I finally saw the Peter Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh oh wow yeah I saw that yeah and I was. You know, I'm. It's a it's a film that stars and is about a young man with Down syndrome. Yeah. So I am often, you know, I've worked, I've worked with adults with disabilities for a long time, throughout my life, and representation is very important to me, and I do believe that I. There aren't many as there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of opportunities for actors with Down syndrome. So I think it's yeah. I think it's important when making a movie about someone with Down syndrome that someone with that an actor with Down syndrome play that character. Sure. And what's also really cool about this movie is that the actor, the the main the main uh, character Zach Gotts again. Mm-hmm. Is that is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's was like, was part of the process, and you know, it's starring Zach Gotts again, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, John Hawks, Bruce, Bruce Dern, John Barenthal, and uh, Thomas Hayden Church, and also your favorite rapper of all time, Yellow Wolf. Sure. <laughs> Which, if you know anything about us, that's that's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just a really well done, respectful movie about you know 
this young man with Down syndrome in Virginia they is abandoned by his family and because of the way the system works he's like he's living in in an elderly an, assi an assisted living for for elderly and mm -hmm. for for the elderly and he's been finding these tapes of this wrestler who he's been inspired by so he escapes to to go find this person and then as he's escaping he random he randomly runs across this character played by Shia LaBeouf who you know is is a is a a man a thief with a heart of gold with a troubled past mm -hmm. and they become friends but it's it's done in such a non-hackneyed way that it's that it's just good it's 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 very like it's not like a feel-good movie though there are feel-good parts mm -hmm. and i just i thought it was good and then i'm like oh shit that's jake the snake roberts or oh shit that's mankind you know so i was wondering if you ever saw that movie and what you thought of it i did i actually saw it. Yeah, i saw it recently and it's only it's just so funny you say that because um been doing online trivia with my buddies recently, and Peanut Butter Falcon was the answer to uh, a trivia question a couple weeks ago. So that's it's kind of funny how that worked out. But um, no, I enjoy it. I, I it's one of those movies that slipped through the cracks last year. Oh, it definitely. Wasn't like it wasn't like ah, I don't want to see it. It's just one. It's just one of those casualties of like I never got around to seeing it. And then when I posted um my end my end of the year review when i posted it on facebook one of my friends who he's normally like a contrarian kind of person but he was just like hey have you seen peanut butter falcon i was like oh no actually i didn't and then i i, I saw it. i got around to to seeing it there, there was almost this implication though that because i hadn't seen that one movie the rest of my list was invalid which could have easily been turned around like so how many movies on this list have you seen i'm not going to say his name Right, because like, but, uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I miss I miss movies all the time, and that if you assume that my views on movies are valid, which I understand is a big leap to assume that my views on on movies are valid, like that's totally true. But if you mm -hmm. decide that my views are valid, except that my main job isn't to be a film critic. And I don't watch every single movie. Sure. But, like, the top film critics in the world don't watch every single movie. No, but they watch more, movie, movies, they know, watch yeah. more movies than I do. Some. Um, and, and I honestly mean that. I'm not even trying to... But, oh! No, oh, this, there's... Because you said this earlier. There's oh, some real... No, there's some definitely, like, garbage film criticism. What were you about to say? Well, no, but what we're talking about now circles back to what you were saying earlier about how, you know, not being able to see movies and stuff. I, I will say more now more than ever since, you know, depending on what, you know, what, what the deal is, if you have time on your hands, try to take advantage of, of, of streaming. I know, like, especially when it comes to, like, the smaller indie or art house movies, because a lot of them are streamable directly through, you know, like, places like Museum of the Moving Image or through Kino or through, you know, whoever... And, like, certain theaters, like Museum of the Moving Image, if you stream a movie through them, a lot of their prices to stream new movie, new indie and art house movies, three ninety nine, four ninety nine. Seriously? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, but yes. Like, some, like, you're, like if, if it's, like, a bigger movie, nine ninety nine. 
But still, some movies are just randomly like, also, oh, this is only four bucks to stream. It, it, it's kind of cool. Nine ninety nine isn't isn't bad at all. No, it's not. Especially when you got you know certain like the new new movies coming out for twenty, and now what's 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 the deal with Milan? It's supposed to be like thirty, forty dollars. So. Or fifty? No, no. Mulan is going to be thirty dollars. Okay. But you need to have a Disney subscription, which costs however yeah. much that is. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this is a soft test. Uh, I don't really like to talk about this sort of stuff too much, but mm-hmm. I believe that this is a test because one, because of the way things are. I believe that they will re- re- release this movie into theaters elsewhere, where it's gonna, mm-hmm. where it's. I don't think it's culturally insensitive to say that Mulan is going to be gigantic in Asia. Right. Is that like, it's a movie celebrating the celebrating a lot of Asian characters played by Asian actors and movies even when you know this is this is a Japanese movie but there have been like big movies where they've had a Japanese actor and that's made the movies make more money I believe this movie is going to be gigantic in Asia mm-hmm. but if this movie does well at $30 a pop I think this is a soft test to see for Black Widow. Oh, that makes sense. Because I, I... I was wondering where you were going. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think they want to see if they can do this. Yeah. They Apparently, they made more money. They made a lot of money by, by putting Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, right. which was not their original plan because they, played a, they paid a lot of money for the worst musical of all time. <laughs> and and apparently they still made a lot of money with it. Yeah. So I think this is their test because Mulan's going to make so much money in other territories that I don't think they'll I don't think they'll lose money on Mulan. Mm. That this will be the test to see if, if people are willing to spend that much, and if they are, if they're willing to spend thirty dollars for Mulan then they're going to be willing to spend $30 for Black Widow. They might even be willing to pay 40 I don't know. I definitely... No, I... You know, not everyone, but enough where it's like it could be done. Just, I mean... I like... I, I can name with one... There's there's literally two Marvel movies that I have not seen in the theater. Everything else in that cinematic universe I've seen in the theater. So, I, I'm not going to make fun of people. But there's like... There's this crazy loyalty to the Marvel films... That we all know, mm-hmm. and that there's these certain people, so it's kind of like er- everything you're saying makes perfect sense, and and now it it, it it would surprise me even less. Yeah, so I'm just if, if what you're saying is the case. It's just that's just like my my little theory. Yeah. And another, an, another, you know, an, have you watched Normal People on Hulu? No, I haven't. It's. It's one of my favorite shows this year. And okay. that's another movie about mental health that not movie, TV show. It deals with like mental health in a really 
it deals with social anxiety in a way that that is really delicate and I just think I just think it's a a, a beautiful beautiful show and yeah that show and Betty have been my shows this year but I, I've I watched one episode of I May Destroy You and that was good but I haven't watched oh, I watched right, a lot yeah, of yeah. episodes mm-hmm. you know Uh, yeah, man. So what else? What else? Um, to go to 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 double back onto what this episode was was supposed to be about was she dies tomorrow, which is uh, you know a female directed female lens movie about you know horror and suspense, and it just made me think. Especially because another thing that that we were talking about last last week was the the tone deaf response from Blumhouse about why they why they didn't have a lot didn't have a lot of uh, women directors right yeah do you remember because yeah. we talked we like talked it. about that a little bit and then I was like thinking yeah. about always shine right. Yep. Which is a movie that we've talked about a lot. Great example. And that's yeah. that's a movie that both stars women, is directed by women, is directed by a woman, excuse me, and goes through goes through the internal action of losing one's mind in a way that I thought is really good. And, you know, it's a, again, it's a movie that we've talked about on this show before, but mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, uh, directed by Sophia Takal. I, I also, like, I remember trying to get you to watch this movie a bunch of times, and then when you finally did, you're, you, did. you were like, Oh man, this is this is a good one. Which isn't me throwing shade because there are movies that that you have been trying to get me to see since we started this podcast that I haven't seen yet. Sure, that happens. Then. And then, or like Babadook, another movie by you know a female director about that does horror and suspense and grief in in a really really great way and uh, mm-hmm. a movie you really love Prevenge you remember that movie of course I do do you want to talk about Prevenge a little bit sure uh, uh, it's not the movie I I was I got another thr- kind of th- female driven thriller I want to bring up but Prevenge is is great um, just because I mean it, it on so many levels like just on the most basic surface layer it's a really good movie and then when you get you know underneath it's kind of like you know just like the other movie you're describing it's a movie about specific female issues directed by a female filmmaker you know what I mean and then the level after that it's just kind of like you know Alice Lowe the director writer and star of that movie she gave birth to a child and she was going through her you know postpartum depression so this making this making prevenge was her her way of of working through it Mm -hmm. Because that's essentially what the movie is about. Is it's just this movie 
Uh, I'm not going to give too much away, but this pregnant woman, she's kind of on her own, and she's uh, she's seeking revenge. And again, not giving anything away. The whole selling point is you have this woman who is eight months pregnant, and she's on a mission to kill a certain specific group of people, which is funny. It's dark and funny because she's about to pop. She has this big belly, but she's just relentless in yeah. in her killing. And and the movie is a comedy. I, it I is a comedy. There's some, there's some super serious moments. Yes. But overall, it's a dark comedy. And and that I, that was an IFC Midnight movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yo, IFC Midnight movies. Y'all need to like really send us some movies because we've we've consistently put a lot of shine on your movies. Yeah, right. For real. And just and also because we like them. Yeah, God, man. Liam Liam Gavin, uh, Patrick in Dallas. Ryan Prowse, like we've actually we've had quite a few uh, midnight filmmakers Correct. on the show. I, you know, and you know, I take a little bit of credit for for film Twitter liking a dark song. Yeah, you definitely just should. a little because because I've been I've been pushing that for a minute. What was the? I also feel like I feel like Liam Gavin, the director of the movie. I feel like he also knows, like no one kind of tweets. Like either you or zebras, like no one retweets that more than him. And it's like normally it's like, oh, a director's supposed to, you know, a, a director, you know, in, in in on his level will see stuff about his movie and always retweet it. But he always does it whenever it's something from like your account or something from the zebras account. He's always kind of like extra appreciative. Yeah, he was also one of the when we did episode one hundred. He was one of the first people to record a drop. So yeah. Nice. He didn't. He didn't have to do that, so that was nice. You said you were going to bring up another movie. Yeah, and while so outwardly it's not uh, like, oh, you know, dramatic music that tells you how to feel and jumps coming out of nowhere. Although there is one famous jump in the movie, but um, Lucretia Martel's The Headless Woman. Oh hell yeah! Is very much a thriller, and it's very much just like the horrors of being inside your own head. And there's also outside of the thriller kind of psychological aspect it's also just a commentary on you know the haves and the have-nots within argentina specifically mm-hmm. but you know so so that movie in its own it's, it's very uh i mean the movie pulls no punches i mean just a few minutes in it's like oh shit what just happened and it's and then from then on it's just kind of like man it's just the perfect movie lucretia martel is just she's such a great filmmaker yeah movie. i mean she's lucretia martel she's so great is Possibly the greatest living filmmaker right now. Nothing I'd, I'd argue. She's definitely like almost all completely home runs. Yeah. And I'm. it's funny you say that because I've been meaning to... I've been saying this for years now. I need to go back and watch The Holy Girl because it's a movie I never hate. I was like, oh, it's good. But it was just this movie. It was just like La Ceremony, Headless Woman, and Zama... It just seems La Cienaga. La Cienaga. Yeah, what did, you said La, what did I you say? said La Ceremony. Oh Jesus. Whoops. Not uh although it'll make a good double feature. But sure. yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Cienaga. Um all great. And it's one of those things where all those movies are A pluses. And I'm I, I feel like when I go back and watch Holy Girl, it's gonna be one of those cases where like, oh, it's like a B B plus slash A minus movie. Well that's what I'm saying. I don't think I've watched that movie in over ten years. Cause like right, like she's also been working since nineteen eighty eight 
but she's yeah. only made four movies. And yeah. La Cienaga is an A movie. To me, Holy Girl is, oh God, Holy yeah. Girl is B. Headless Woman mm-hmm. is an A. Zama is... There, there aren't ratings for it because A plus doesn't do it justice. Mm, right. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel, pretty much. But yeah, she's she's just incredible, and I love her movies, and everyone should see them. And Zama, I believe, was my favorite movie of the year it came out, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Nightingale? The, the the follow-up to Babadook by Jennifer Kent? I definitely did. Yeah, that was a rough one. I, that's another movie I saw later because uh, my buddy James of the Wrong Real Podcast, he loved that movie. And then a couple other people were like, oh, this movie's rough, but it's really good. And I was like, damn, I missed out on that also. But then I, And then I went and watched it, and it's like, yeah, that movie is uh, it's pretty nuts, but, 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 but good. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, Zama was my favorite of that year. Yeah. Number two being the writer. Damn, 2018 was uh, was really good. Shoplifters, Zama, the right. Damn, that was a good year. Burning, personal problems, Summer '93. Before we. Ve- oh my God. Oh, Did yeah. you ever end up seeing Summer '93? I have not. No. I would really like you to see it. Okay. I. That's a movie that I cried in the theaters. Wow. And, and you know, before we vanish, sorry to bother you. Shrek retold, the endless, yeah, Claire's camera. There were some, there were some good movies that year. Yeah. Uh, and what else? Am, what else am I looking at here? Because I also, I feel like we're with last episode also being a little bit of a rough one. I feel like we're. We are challenging our listeners today. There weren't really a difference. They, they, they got over an hour from us, and it'll be a good show. Caveman's Valentine is a movie directed by a woman about mental mental illness. Casey Lemons. Casey Lemons. Uh, or Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou, yeah. For that matter. Uh, you know? Trouble Every Day. Yes, I was, I was going to bring that up also, but yeah, very much so. And not directed by a woman, but for some reason all of this made me think of Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. That, that's that been coming up in my world a lot. Really? It, it's been, yeah, like, so there's like a sector of, of like film Twitter that like has just now discovered this movie and I'm like, what the hell is this? Because Natasha Leone is like very popular on you know a lot of forms of social right. media, and, Vin- and, and Vincent then- Gallo plays uh, an evil person, and yeah. it's one of those sequels that has really nothing to do with the original, like yeah. uh, American Psycho, directed by a woman. Uh, there was a sequel with Mila Kunis and William Shatner that yeah. has nothing to do, or the Undisputed film series that we talked about earlier. The 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 sequels are just really awesome action movies that have nothing to do with the first. Yeah, was the original Freeway that was with Reese Witherspoon and a lot, not and 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 like so many Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland, Sutherland, yeah, Brooke Shields, uh, Dan Hedaya, Bokeem Woodbine, uh, like uh, uh, oh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting another, but there the, there were a lot of people in that movie. I'm just yeah. saying it's kind of impressive that I know. 
Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Sorry. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's telling that I remember more about the the direct to video sequel because it was so strange. Very strange. <laughs> but now that I'm remembering it, this movie was pretty strange as well. And, but yeah, I believe that, you know, if you didn't have HBO, you probably didn't watch Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby because I mm-hmm. found out about it because it was like on in the movie theater. Not in the movie theater, at, on the on the movie screen at like three in the morning. Yep. Which which is how you see a lot of great movies back in the day. Absolutely. And this sounds funky and it's possibly appropriationish, but Brittany Murphy's like one of her last movies, Ramen Girl, about that's like sort of like a remake of Tan Popo. It, mm-hmm. She is about uh, a white girl who goes to Japan to learn how to make ramen. Mm-hmm. Is kind of a fun movie. Oh shit, I don't know. You know, have you ever seen Tan Popo? Of course. Yeah, so it's like, like kind, kind of, kind of a remake. It's like loose, but. Sure. Whatever. I'm just, you know, I just enjoyed it. And I saw a random movie uh, the other day. Mm-hmm. That I don't know if you, you... Have you ever seen the movie Definitely Maybe? No. It's, it's a romantic comedy starring... Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Isla Fisher and Rachel Weiss and Kevin Klein and Elizabeth Banks. Wow. Oh no, yeah. And Abigail Breslin. Uh, wow. And it's from 2008. And uh, like Saskia and I started watching it, and at first we were just like, "This is, this is okay." And then, basically, this dude, this dude's about to get divorced, and his daughter's like. How did you meet mommy and why did you get divorced and why is everything? And then it becomes sort of like a period piece about this dude working on the Clinton, on the Clinton trail, Clinton, like trying to help Clinton become president in the 90s. And then he meets these different women and and you don't know what's going to happen. And then it goes through different time periods and it's. It's very serious in ways, and again, it's it's a romantic comedy, but I... Oh, Derek Luke is in it. Uh, Antoine Fisher is, is a pretty slept-on movie in regards to the fact that it's depiction of the, the psychologist, the, the, the relationship... Uh, between mm-hmm. the therapist and patient is done really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know your your thoughts about Antoine Fisher, but <laughs> we're not over the place. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I'm sorry. I haven't thought about it since, since you brought it. I'm up. sorry, man. I've been going through a lot of shit, and I've just sort of I'm just sort of. Of course, you have. And 
just sort my mind sort of just been going all all over the place and so that's that oh it turns out Sophie Tical made made another made a slasher film called Black Christmas but recently yeah like in 2019 oh, oh I haven't seen it but maybe I'll see it around around Christmas mm-hmm. and I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to bring up. Um, not really. You ever see that movie Coherence from 2014? No. What's that? No. It's like it's like a a movie that I found out found out randomly like some website that was like movies you've never heard of that are actually good. And most of the time, I've seen all of them, or, or they're not actually good. But it mm. vaguely reminded me when I watched, she dies tomorrow, and oh, all right, it's like low, small budget movie that like messes with your head, man. And I liked it. Yeah. So I, I rec- right. Do you do you have anything you'd like to bring up before we? Uh, had, no, I, I think we're running out of gas. We are not running out of gas. For this episode, I yeah. disagree. I just think that, I just think it's it's a good time. <laughs> You're just asking me if I've seen movies now. At this yeah, point. but that's kind of fun. Being like, hey, have you ever <laughs> true, have you true. seen movies? Like, I don't know. Have you seen Deerskin? No, because it's really good, and I want you to see it. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll watch. You know. Uh, it's Mr. Oizo's Mr. Oizo's Twin Peaks, is how I is how I describe okay. it. Okay, um, let me see right now how difficult it is. I think it's on YouTube. No, no, it's just straight rental on YouTube. I could have swore because I thought about wanting to watch it again. I didn't want to pay full price. Yeah, you can rent it for three ninety nine in standard definition, four ninety nine in high def. Straight off of YouTube. Okay. Ooh, you can buy it. For, oh, I might just. Yeah. Buy it. So, uh, how about I'll, I'll. Re- Some hardcore. Yeah, we like it raw. Rest in peace, Malik. You said how about? How about um, I I watch this movie and then next week is about it. Please, that'd be awesome. Okay, and um, with that saying, uh, enjoy every sandwich. God bless everyone with shades on.
Standing in the sea. 